What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dugout Club. I am your host, Jake Dicker. This is going to be a really fun episode because we're recapping the MLB trade deadline. It was the most exciting trade deadline that I've ever experienced. I think it might be the most exciting trade deadline in MLB history, strictly because teams are trying to win. There are so many teams that are making big moves that think they're still in it that are going out and making the move to win this year. And as a baseball fan, that's something you got to love. If your team is committed to winning, that's all you can really ask for. Where it goes from there, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if, if they're going for it, if they're making those moves, you can't fault them for that. We're going to start with my three, maybe possibly four biggest winners of the trade deadline. We're going to talk about some losers of the trade deadline, talk about some some moves here and there, the big names that were moved. And then, you know, at the end, we're literally, I have a list of every move that was made at the deadline, and we're going to go through it, and I'm going to talk about any notable move that I thought that I think could have an impact on the rest of the MLB year. So it's going to be fun. I want to start with my biggest winners of the trade deadline. I have three teams that I've locked in as my big winners, and one that We'll, we'll talk about my three biggest winners, the Dodgers, the White Sox, and the Yankees. They all made some great moves. Um, they're all, you know, the Yankees are nine games back. They seem very aggressive for a nine-win team. But again, as I said, if your team is committed to winning and making a push this year, that's all you can ask for. The Dodgers made potentially the biggest splash at the deadline, um, acquiring Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals. And the Chicago White Sox have what is now the best uh, bullpen in baseball, hands down, going out and acquiring Craig Kimbrell and a few other uh, a few other pieces. Let's start with the Dodgers. Potentially the biggest move of the trade deadline, they acquired Max Scherzer, who was the biggest pitching uh, name out there on the market, and Trey Turner, who is a top five easy, potentially top three, depending on who you're talking to, shortstop in baseball. Um, they gave up a lot. They gave up their number one and number two prospects in Kybert Ruiz, a catching prospect, the number 40 uh, prospect in baseball, and right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray, their number two prospect right behind Ruiz is the number 41 prospect in baseball, as well as outfielder Donovan Casey and right-handed pitcher Gerardo Carrillo, who are uh, some lower-level prospects, but two who aren't necessarily just throw-ins. They can have they can have some impact in a couple of years if the, if the Nationals develop them in the right way. The Dodgers needed to go out. And, and acquire somebody and make some splash. You know, they've always been the team that goes out and pushes forward at the deadline. They acquired Yu Darvish at the trade deadline in 2017, Manny Machado at the trade deadline in 2018. The Dodgers have always proven that they're very committed to winning, and this move just reinforces that. You know, Max Scherzer is one of the top arms in baseball, has been for the last decade. And you throw him in a rotation next to guys like Walker Bueller, who's having a career year. Guys like Clayton Kershaw, who's coming off the IL very soon. Julio Arias, who is developing into one of the best young pitchers in baseball. Um, I, I don't think Trevor Bauer comes back, so he kind of takes that Bauer slot. But the Dodgers' rotation in the playoffs is, is going to be nuts. And then they go out and they also get a guy in Trey Turner, who nobody was really talking about. You know, when they were talking about a Scherzer deal, it was more where Scherzer going to go. You know, Turner could be moved elsewhere. No one's really talking about them as a package. But like, oh my God, the Dodgers lineup is now absolutely filthy. You can slide Trey Turner in. People think he's going to play second base. Um, you got Trey Turner. You got Chris Taylor. You got Mookie Betts. Cody Bellinger's got to figure it out. But you know, it's still another name: Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Justin Turner. It, it AJ Pollock is having a really good year. The lineup is so deep, and you know you slide Trey Turner into that lineup, and it 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 becomes that much better. Um, the other thing that Dodger fans have to realize when it comes to this move 
is as great as it is that Max Scherzer is a Los Angeles Dodger. It is that much better that he is not a San Diego Padre. Because not only do you have him, but now he, the guys that you're playing against don't. And the guys that you that you need to falter, or not, or not falter because they're behind the Dodgers a few games, but the guys that you don't want to catch up to you are now that much further back. Um, it, it was reported earlier in the day, the trade deadline was Friday. Trade deadline was Friday. It was reported pretty early in the day on Thursday that the Padres were were very deep in talks and finalizing a deal to acquire Max Scherzer. And you know when you see those tweets come out around the trade deadline from guys like Ken Rosenthal, guys like Jeff Passan, guys like Joel Sherman, when they say that they're finalizing a deal, very rarely do those type of deals fall through, especially for for big name guys like a guy like a like a Max Scherzer. So I, as a Dodger fan, was like, you know, whatever. I, I said that he was going to... I thought that the Padres were going to make a splash. It seems like in the last couple of years, the Padres have been very aggressive on the trade market um, and in free agency. And, and I was like, I, I, I had Scherzer going to the Padres before anything was, was ever announced. So when that was announced, I wasn't surprised. I didn't think the Dodgers were going to go out and shell out Kybert Ruiz for Scherzer. Um, so I wasn't upset. I was like, all right, that's kind of expected, whatever. And then we didn't hear anything about the deal being finalized for a couple hours. And then Ken Rosenthal puts out another tweet that basically said, there are other teams still involved trying to top the Padres offer. And I was like, all right, whatever, don't play with us. Like, he's going to the Padres. It is what it is. Like, I don't want this false hope. The Dodgers need to go out and make some other move. And then later in the day, you get a bomb from Jeff Passan on Twitter that says not only are the Dodgers finalizing or making significant progress on a deal to acquire Max Scherzer, they're also going to get Trey Turner. And, and, and Twitter went nuts because that, I mean, you add those two guys to already one of the best teams in baseball, and, and people are saying that they're playing MLB The Show with, with forced trades on, that they can basically get whoever they want whenever they want, and it's like they're playing fantasy baseball. They gave up a lot, let's be honest. They gave up their number one and number two prospects, which you don't see a number one and number two prospect in the same deal very often. But because you're getting Scherzer, you're getting Trey Turner, who also has another year of control. So you don't lose, you lose Scherzer at the end of this year unless you extend him. You have Trey Turner for another year, which is important because Corey Seager's contract is up at the end of this year. So if the Dodgers don't want to extend him or, you know, he wants more money than they're going to give him, they can, they can, you know, I don't want to say just let him walk. But they got a guy they can slide in at shortstop in Trey Turner, who is arguably better than Corey Seager. I, I'm not going to make that argument. I think Corey Seager is a, one of the most underrated players in the game. But you could you could very well make the argument that Trey Turner is a better shortstop than Corey Seager, and you can just slide that guy right in there pretty flawlessly. Um, so you have you can afford to give up top prospects when you have guys with uh, control like Trey Turner. Also, a guy like Kybert Ruiz. It's kind of log jammed in that Dodgers system. You know, Will Smith is coming. It just came up a couple years ago. He's not going anywhere behind the dish. So it's not like Kybert Ruiz at the professional level has never played anywhere other than catcher. So it's not like there was really a spot for him to play. And I, there were guys, there were guys talking about, you know, just get rid of Ruiz. Like he just needs to go. They've been talking about trading for years. Just trade him, trade him for Jose Barrios. Just get rid of him. My mind was just because he's not going to come up and play right away in the Dodgers system. He shouldn't just be traded as someone who doesn't have a spot. He's still a starting caliber catcher in Major League Baseball, a top prospect, and his value 
That's his value. He should be traded as such. And he was traded as such. You got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They also uh, traded Josiah Gray, who just made his MLB debut a couple days ago. And in his, you know, was acquired by the Dodgers in a in a salary dump trade a couple years back with the Cincinnati Reds, where they based, they they gave him Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Kyle Farmer, and Alex Wood for Homer Bailey, who was immediately designated for assignment, never played for the Dodgers, and Josiah Gray and Jeter Downs, who were were the number seven and twenty prospects in the Reds system at the time. Jeter Downs was the number seven prospect. Just, uh, Josiah Gray was the number twenty prospect. So you know they weren't necessarily throw-ins, but it's not like the Dodgers were acquiring any top prospects. Three years down the line. Jeter Downs was a key piece in the Mookie Betts trade. Josiah Gray was a key piece in the Max Scherzer Trey Turner trade. So the Dodgers, you know, they've done a very good job developing their prospects and, and made potentially the biggest splash at the deadline. They also acquired Danny Duffy for a player to be named later, and that's a very low-risk move. Danny Duffy um, coming off the IL in about a month, so he'll probably just be a reliever for the Dodgers, if that. Um and, you know, with a player to be named later, it's there's very, very little risk here for the Dodgers. They basically got him for nothing. It, at the high, at the most, it's going to be a lower-level prospect um, that'll be finalized at a later date. But the Dodgers had an incredible, incredible trade deadline. And, are you know, they're not in first place in the division. They're three games behind the San Francisco Giants, who also had a very good trade deadline. We'll talk about that later. But this, this puts them in very good position to... To, to make a run at the NL West. Max Scherzer is going to make his first start at Dodger Stadium on Wednesday against the Houston Astros in what I'm expecting to be one of the most electric atmospheres of the uh, 2020, uh, 2021 MLB season. Second winner of the deadline is the Chicago White Sox, who went out. They didn't make, they only made three moves, or I mean, I think they made three notable moves. Let me say they acquired the, the number one reliever on the market at the deadline in Craig Kimbrell from the Chicago Cubs, also from the Chicago Cubs, got Ryan Tapera in a separate deal and acquired Cesar Hernandez um, from the Cleveland Indians. Craig Kimbrell is back to Craig Kimbrell's form. He is having the best year of his career, um, which is kind of crazy after he had a couple down years, but he he is right back on the track to the Hall of Fame, having his best season. And the White Sox paid for him. They gave up second baseman Nick Madrigal, who is, you know, a, a very, very good... He came up about a year ago. He's a contact guy, going to play you a very good second base, but he was a top pick in the MLB draft a couple years back. Very, very solid player and should be playing second base for the Cubs next year when he's healthy. Currently on the IL, he had a season-ending injury. They also acquired right-handed pitcher Cody Hoyer, who who will be a reliever for them. He's really solid. So I, I they did pay a lot, but you go out and you get Craig Kimbrell to put in that bullpen with Liam Hendricks, Michael Kopech, Garrett Crochet, and Aaron Bummer. Like, that's the best bullpen in baseball, hands down. You Liam Hendricks, who is an all-star closer, closed out the all-star game for the American League, is now your eighth inning guy. So basically, if you have the lead through six innings, you can just hand the ball off to either Crochet or Kopech in the seventh, Hendricks in the eighth, and Kimbrell in the ninth. Like, it, it's, it's, they just shorten the game so much with that bullpen. And then you go into a short playoff series where, you you know, best of five, best of seven, where you either need to win three or three or four games, and you can run Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito, and Lance Lynn out there as your starters. Like, the White Sox pitching wins in October, and the White Sox pitching is elite. It is elite. They also went out, you know, you got Ryan Tapera, who you can add in that bullpen. He's had a really good year. They got him for left-handed pitcher Bailey Horn, who was a fifth-round pick out of Auburn in 2020. He's struggling at high A. He has a 5-6-3 ERA. So they basically, I don't want to say they got him for nothing, 
but they got him for a very low price, and he's been a solid reliever all year. Cesar Hernandez is going to play a very solid second base for them, and and I just like what this White Sox team has done. I think that they, you know, they they their farm system when they brought up guys like Eloy Jimenez, they brought up guys like Luis Robert, who hasn't who hasn't really. Um, been playing much this year due to injury but their farm system was the talk and now these guys are up and they're very very respectable major league players and now they're just adding to it with this stud rotation in this stud bullpen I, I love what the White Sox are doing on the south side the Yankees are my third winner of the trade deadline and as I said the Yankees are being very aggressive for a team that's nine games back but they found they they identified what they needed to do and they, they executed that very well. They needed left-handed power bats, which is something they didn't have. Their lineup, their lineup all year has been very dominant, uh, right-handed dominant. Guys like Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, DJ LeMahieu, Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt. Lots of righties, very few lefties. You know, Brett Gardner, maybe their most notable left-handed hitter in that lineup. You go out and you add Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, and now you have some very respectable left-handed power hitters in that lineup. They they paid they paid a decent price for these guys. They didn't. It's not like they gave up nothing, but they were able to hold on to their their top prospects, which. At the trade deadline is really all you can ask for. When you're going to win now, you're going to have to give up something of substance. But they held on to their core. So they traded. They got Anthony Rizzo for uh, Kevin Alcantara and Alexander Vizcaino. Alcantara just turned 19. He's 6'6", 188. He's a monster. And he's going to hit. Like, that's that's basically what he does. But he he's going to be really, really good for them in a couple of years. And Vizcaino is a right-handed pitcher. He's very, very good as well. So the Yankees, you know, they gave up a lot. The Cubs did well in that respect. And then they got Joey Gallo, who they got for four prospects. Glenn Otto, Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, and Trevor Hover, I think is how you pronounce it. And these guys are guys that are that are, are good, good prospects, just as the other guys were. You know, Ezekiel Duran, he's 22. He was the Yankees' 15th uh, top prospect. He, he's been at... Uh, Class A, he's hitting 290 with 15 doubles, six triples, 12 homers, 12 stolen bases. He he's gonna be a good little little infielder for the Rangers. Josh Smith was the Yankees' second round pick in 2019. He's 22 years old. He was the Yankees' 14th overall prospect. He's been up in you know with Class A and High A all year, but he's hitting 324, 12 doubles, nine home runs, stolen 17 bases. He's gonna be the seventh, uh, or he's now ranked as the number seven prospect in the Rangers organization. You know, you got guys like like Trevor Hover, who's a second round pick by the Yankees in 2020. He's, you know, been in class A, but he's hitting 288, 17 doubles, nine home runs. He's going to be their number 19 prospect. And then Glenn Otto is kind of the guy that they threw in at the end. He's a 25 year old righty. Um, was a fifth round pick back in 2017. He was the Yankees number 28 prospect. I don't expect him to have much of an impact on the Rangers, if any at all, but the Rangers, the Rangers did fine. The Rangers were in a weird spot where they had a lot of guys that other teams wanted, but they were guys that have control. They traded a lot of controllable pieces. We're going to talk about, you know, Joey Gallo we talked about. We're going to talk about uh, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy. They traded a lot of guys that had control, so they got back, you know, some better, some better prospects, not necessarily top-of-the-line prospects. But guys, guys who are, are legit players. They also went out and acquired Andrew Heaney, from the Angels to kind of bolster that rotation. My last winner, and people are going to be like, well, how, how did they win the trade deadline? They traded absolutely everybody. It's the Chicago Cubs. I don't like calling teams losers at the trade deadline when they sell, when they have to sell. 
same thing with the Washington Nationals. They, I'm not going to classify them as a loser of the trade deadline because they had to sell. It's very tough for the Cubs because they had to sell guys who have meant so much to the city of Chicago. Guys who went out there and ended, what was it, 108-year curse, won the World Series in 2016. Guys like Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo. Guys that have been the heart and soul of that city for so long. It's hard to go out and move those guys. However, the front office knew that it was time. And, and when they did it, when they finally ripped that Band-Aid off and said it's time for us you know, to, to, to move on and start bulking up this farm system a little bit, they did a really, really good job. You know, we talked about the guys that the Yankees traded for Anthony Rizzo. Um, those guys are all now in the Cubs, in the Cubs system. Very good players. Javier Baez was traded with Trevor Williams straight up for Pete Crow Armstrong, who was the number five prospect in the Mets organization. Went to Harvard Westlake in in uh, Studio City, California. Grew up with him, friend of mine. Great player. He was the number 19 overall pick in last year's draft. He just had surgery to uh, repair a torn labrum on his right shoulder, which is his non-throwing shoulder. So I don't expect it to impact him a ton going forward. But he's a left-handed outfielder with a ridiculous glove. Um, He was uh, well-regarded as the best defender, um, at least among outfielders, in the 2020 draft. And he has a solid bat. He's you know a plus runner. He's a really, really, really good pickup for the Chicago Cubs for a guy like Javier Baez that they were going to lose at the end of the year anyways. Um, Chris Bryant, they traded to the San Francisco Giants, which was originally reported for Joey Bart. Joey Bart is the Giants' number one prospect. He's a catching prospect who for years has been, you know, said he's going to follow Buster Posey. Whenever Buster Posey's done, we're going to slide Joey Bart in there. It should be a seamless transition because Joey Bart is an absolute stud. And he is. He is a stud. So when it was reported that Chris Bryant was traded for Joey Bart, everyone was like, what are the Giants doing? And the Cubs are in a great spot. That was a false report. You know, it wasn't like I just saw something on Twitter and I was freaking out. It was reported on MLB Network. It was reported everywhere. And the Cubs were the winners of the trade deadline, not the Dodgers. It was the Cubs. They did. They were going to be incredible in the future. That's not who they got. They got two players: an outfielder, Alexander Canario, and a right-handed pitcher, Caleb Killian. Uh, Canario is he's a, he's a good player. He's been an A ball all year. He's only hitting two thirty-five, but he has nine home runs and fifteen. He's stolen fifteen bases on eighteen attempts. He is an above-average power guy, but. He, he strikes out a lot. That's where you see that 235 average. He strikes out a lot, kind of similar to Joey Gallo, where I'm not, I'm not comparing a guy in A-ball to Joey Gallo. I mean, I am, but I, I guess I am, actually. But it's it's a lot of power, a lot of strikeouts. I could compare him to a ton of guys in the MLB that are high strikeout, high home run, but we are just talking about Gallo, so that's the name on my mind. Um, so, you know, the Giants, they got KB, which I love for them. They needed to make a move. And Canario and Killian. Killian's a right-handed pitcher in high A and double A. He's been pretty good. He has a 2-1-3 ERA. He's 24, so he's a little bit older for a guy that would be in high A, double A. But if they start bringing him up and, you know, see what he can do, he's punched out 96 hitters in 84 innings. You know, the numbers are there, so it's just about bringing him up and seeing if he can repeat it at the, at the MLB level. I like what the Cubs did at the deadline. I think I'm ready to classify them as winners. You know, they got Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer for Craig Kimbrell. They got their second baseman of the future. That's great. Also traded guys like Andrew Chafin, Jake Marisnik, Jock Peterson, um, 
didn't get much of note in return back, but you're still you're still getting prospects to bolster the farm system. You can never complain about that. So those are my winners of the trade deadline: the Dodgers, the White Sox, the Yankees, and the Chicago Cubs. Um, my losers. I have two. Tr- I have two losers of the trade deadline, both coming out of the NL West: the Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres. Um, the Rockies are a loser simply because they did nothing, because. They have Trevor Story, who was one of the biggest names on the trade market. And there were teams that were out there that wanted to acquire Trevor Story to either play shortstop or find some hole for him elsewhere. Um, A lot of contenders were interested in Trevor Story. The Yankees were interested in Trevor Story. Um, There were many other teams that were very interested in him. And he was almost the biggest lock of the deadline to get traded. You know, the, 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 uh, the Rockies just traded Nolan Arenado, didn't get a lot back. So they were like... A lot of people were thinking they need to make a, a, a big move here and, and get a lot back for Story because they kind of need to compensate for getting nothing back for Arenado. And they didn't. They literally stood pat because they think that the comp pick they're going to get for Trevor Story is worth more than whatever they were going to get in return. For those who aren't aware, a compensation pick is it's it's a pick at the end of the first round that you can get when you lose a guy that you offer a qualifying offer to and he doesn't take it um then you basically get a comp pick it's at the end of the first round it's they're they're somewhat valuable because you're going to get a good player out of it but you're basically betting on a guy who is coming out of either high school or college that you're just you know a lot of a lot of first round picks it's not like the nfl it's not like the nba where a lot of these guys are in the league immediately lots of first round picks second round picks of the MLB, they don't pan out just because the, it, they're so, you know, there's, you got to go through rookie ball, low A, high A, double A, triple A. Get, to get to the major league level is really, really tough. So you're, you, instead of, you know, trading story for some prospects that you've seen what they can do at the professional level, you know what you're going to get, you're trusting your scouts and you're trusting, you know, your draft team to go out there and find you a guy, which is fine. I personally just don't think that's what you need to do. And that's the message that you should be sending to fans is that we're just not going to be aggressive. And, you know, I, I think the Rockies were the biggest the biggest loser of the trade deadline for literally doing nothing. My second loser is the San Diego Padres, who just missed out on starting pitching. I loved, I didn't love the Adam Frazier trade. I liked the Adam Frazier trade a lot because, you know, it just lengthens their lineup. It, you can kind of slide Adam Frazier in anywhere. Um, second base, outfield, third. I'm sure you could put him at third base if you needed to. But I liked that trade a lot. It was a good, it was a trade they made a few days before the deadline. I liked what they did. But then you go out at the deadline and you do absolutely nothing. You don't get Max Scherzer, who you thought you had, and he ends up with your, your division rival in the Dodgers. And then after they didn't get Scherzer, I was certain that they were going to go out and get Jose Barrios. Absolutely certain. Um, I'm like, Barrios is the next arm on the... uh, The next best arm on the market. He is going... He's never been on the IL. He always stays stays healthy. He's a really good arm, and he's someone that the Padres need to bolster that rotation going into October. And he ended up going to Toronto, which we're going to talk about later. Um, So they just didn't kind of similar to the Rockies, they didn't do anything. And that's in a a division where the Dodgers go out and get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and the Giants go out and get Chris Bryant. 
you're, you're, it's, it looks like whoever doesn't win the NL West, the second and third place teams are going to be the wild card teams. You don't want to be in that game. Being in a one game playoff is probably the most high stress environment in the world. Um, at least when it pertains to major league baseball, but you, you really want to do what you can to avoid that game at all costs. And I just don't think the Padres did that. My biggest reach or my biggest fleece, as I was going to call it at the trade deadline, the team that gave up, maybe overpaid or gave up too much for, for a player is the Jose Barrios trade. I, I've always loved Jose Barrios. He's controllable. He has another arbitration year. Never, as I said, never been on the injured list. Um, you know what you're going to get out of Barrios. But the Blue Jays gave up Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson, who, if you're not familiar with farm systems, mean nothing to you. But let me, let me tell you a little, about, a little bit about Austin Martin and Simeon, Simeon Woods Richardson. Austin Martin was the uh, Blue Jays' number two prospect. He was the number five overall pick in the 2020 draft. And many people were surprised that he fell that far in the draft. It fell that far in the draft. A lot of people thought he was going to go two. Some people thought he could go one. When people fell to two, they were convinced he was going to go three. When he fell to uh, fell from three, they were convinced he was going to go four. He fell into the Blue Jays' lap at five. And it's not like he's done anything since they drafted him to to lower his stock. He's been he's been you can slide him in anywhere you want. He's a five tool player. He's the number fifteen prospect in baseball. The highest ranked prospect moved at this deadline, and you know I think. Even if they just gave up Austin Martin for Barrios, I'd still be questioning it because Austin Martin is going to be a stud in the major leagues. Then they also added Simeon Woods Richardson, who's a right-handed pitching prospect, their number four prospect at the time. He's 20 years old. He's the number 67 prospect in all of baseball, who the Blue Jays acquired in the Marcus Stroman deal um, a few years back. I understand getting throwing him into this deal, because, no, actually, I don't. I don't understand it at all. I don't understand this move at all for the Blue Jays. Because the Blue Jays are a team that aren't, that isn't, they, like, they're there, but they're not there. Does that make sense? They, they're, they're competing. They're, they have a very, very good lineup. I love watching them play. But they're not a team that I necessarily think is going to make a run at the World Series this year. And giving up your number two prospect and your number four prospect for a number two starter just doesn't sit right with me. If you're not like if you're the if you're the Dodgers and you're for sure gonna be in it at the year at the end of the year, or you're a team like the White Sox or the Astros that you really think can make a deep run, then you can give up your number two and your number four, similar to what the Dodgers did. This return that the that the, the Twins got for Jose Barrios is very similar to the return that the Nationals got for both Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And this was just straight for Jose Barrios, which I, it just hasn't sit right with me since since it happened. I love Barrios, but it just, I, I get it. I understand the move to win now. I get it. But they really jeopardized their future in, in Austin Martin. Simeon Wood Richardson is going to be a good starter in the league. But getting rid of, just giving up on Austin Martin right now doesn't doesn't sit right with me. Um, moving on, you got teams like the Reds and the Phillies and the Mariners, who I'm somewhat confused by. 
the Reds had two had, had three options. They they could have either sold, you know, guys like Nick Castellanos, guys like Jesse Winker, who who have had great years that certainly would have been of interest to contenders. Um, I wouldn't have necessarily loved if they did that, considering they're not that far back. They could make a run at that second wild card spot, considering that Fernando Tatis Jr. just went on the IL, and if he doesn't, you know, with a shoulder injury, and if he doesn't get better in the next ten days, is they're contemplating season-ending surgery for him. If the Padres, if the Padres kind of, you know, they didn't make a move at the market, and now if they lose to, or at the market at the deadline, and now if they lose Tatis, you know, the Reds could make a run at that second wild card spot. So I wouldn't have loved if they sold. They also could have bought. And tried to you know fill in some spots where they they lack where they lack spots like their bullpen you know maybe acquire another starter. Um, they didn't do either of those things. They kind of just stood pat and or just kind of kind of let it ride with what they've got going on now, which I don't hate. But I think you kind of have to make a decision where you either go for it and make that push, kind of what the Blue Jays are doing, where they're like, all right, we're gonna make the push for the second wild card spot. Or give up on, not give up on the year, but not move guys, I guess, yeah, I guess move guys like Castellanos and Winker, who were NL All-Star starters and guys that they could have gotten some significant, you know, prospect return for. Um, But they just stood pat, and, you know, we'll see how that goes. The Philadelphia Phillies, they acquired uh, Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy from the uh, Texas Rangers, excuse me. They traded Spencer Howard, who at one point was an untouchable pitching prospect for them, um, for guys that I don't necessarily think are all that great. Like, Gibson's really good, but I don't think he's necessarily a difference maker in any way. And Ian Kennedy's had a good year, but again, I don't think that those are guys that you trade a top pitching prospect for. I just don't. The Seattle Mariners made one of the most confusing moves at the deadline when they traded Kendall Graveman, who has been one of the best relievers in the AL all year. Um, they traded him, you know, about with about five, five six days before the deadline. Um, and Jerry DePoto, their GM, basically received a ton of backlash for it and said to the fans, I understand that this move doesn't make sense right now as a standalone move, but give me a couple days at the end of the deadline, it will. Um, I, I guess it does. They went out and they got Diego Castillo from the Rays that kind of fills in that spot. And they also got Abraham Toro back from the Astros and that Graveman deal, who's been pretty good for them. But at the time of the, the Graveman trade, the, the Mariners were on a bit of a hot streak and had a lot of momentum and were starting to gain ground in that wild card race. And, you know, the fans were in it. The players were in it. They had, um, what's the word team they had a ton of team chemistry they were really just you know guys seemed like they were clicking and seemed like a group that really was going to make a run and try to prove some people wrong with you know saying the Mariners weren't going to be in it this year they really were going to try and make that run and then he trades Depoto trades trades Graveman and you know if you look up some of the quotes from the players the day of the trade some people are saying that DePoto just sits up in his office playing fantasy baseball with their roster and doesn't care what the players on the field think. That comes from a player um, talking about how everyone in the clubhouse was crying um, when they got rid of Graveman. It just didn't make a lot of sense. It still doesn't make a ton of sense. So I'm just very confused by what the Mariners did. Some other big names that were moved at the deadline that we haven't talked about yet. Guys like Starling Marte moved to the Oakland A's for Jesus Lazardo, who 
again, like Spencer Howard, at one time was an untouchable pitching prospect for Oakland, has had a down year. Um, so I understand the A's moving him to Miami. Miami does a great, great, great job of developing young pitching. So I I really like that spot for Lazardo, who's a left-handed pitcher who is is gonna ha- has some really good stuff. Just kind of needs to put it all together at the major league level, and I think Miami's a really good spot for him to do that. Um, Eduardo Escobar moved to Milwaukee. They got the power bat that they desperately needed to lengthen that lineup. I love that move for them. And Kyle Schwarber was moved from the Nationals, who like the Cubs, just blew it up. Um to the Boston Red Sox for Aldo Ramirez, who was Boston's number 19 prospect with a 203 ERA over eight starts um, at Class A this year. Um, so I like I like that move for Boston. You can They're talking about throwing him at first base. If they want to do that, that works. Just get that left-handed power bat in the lineup in Boston, lengthens that lineup when he gets back from injury. I like that move a lot. Other guys the Nationals traded, guys like Daniel Hudson, Jan Gomes, Brad Hand, and John Lester. Um Another, I was just thinking another, my biggest loser at this deadline is is not a team, it's Cubs fans, which sounds crazy, why, why does it matter? It's so, as I said earlier, it's so hard to see guys that have made such an impact just go. And it's hard when you, when you trade them for prospects, when there are certain people that don't necessarily understand you know how farm systems work like your everyday baseball fan probably doesn't understand exactly how farm systems work and the different levels and calling guys up and developing guys so not seeing immediate return on the field for some of your studs that you've gotten rid of um is tough and you know i my my girlfriend she's from chicago she lives in chicago she i was texting her during the deadline i'm like oh they just traded they just traded javier Baez. oh they just traded anthony rizzo oh they just traded chris bryant like i felt bad sending those texts Um, she asked me a really good question though. She's like, do these guys who have played for so long in a city, like, like, like Rizzo, Baez, Bryant in Chicago done so much for that city. You know, they go out there, they don't want to just do it for themselves. They want to do it for the city, a city that's been longing for a world series, um, like, like Chicago had, and they finally go out there and they, they win it. Do they have that same sense of fight when they go over to like a new club where, you know, they do they have that same chip on their shoulder where they're not just playing for themselves, but they're playing for the city. And I had never really thought about that. Like I've never thought a guy at the trade deadline gets moved and like his change of scenery affects necessarily his, his performance on the field or the way he goes out there every day. It's a really good question. Um, you guys let me know what you guys think. Um, I personally think that the chance to play for a contest, you know, usually when a guy gets like that gets moved at the deadline, it's from because their team that they're playing for isn't contending and they're getting moved to a contender, which, you know, is the way that Baez, Bryant and Rizzo were moved. Um, so I think that alone is probably enough to push forward, to push for a title. And, you know, again, they're also getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do it. Um, but it's a really fair question. It's a really good question. You guys let me know what you guys think. Um, but yeah, so we're going to go and now look at literally every single move that was made at the deadline. See if there's any that I haven't mentioned that I think are worth of note. Um, let's see. Nelson Cruz moved to the Tampa Bay Rays from the Twins. It's a good acquisition for the Rays. You get a power bat that they need. Um, Nelson Cruz is what I like to call the hitter version of Justin Verlander. They literally just get better as they age. Um, so I, I love Nelson Cruz. I think it's, I think whoever has Nelson Cruz at any point is is in great shape because all he does is hit home runs and you know he'll always be in the American League because he's a DH because he cannot play the field but 
he's a he's he's a great bat. He just hasn't slowed down as he gets into his age forty. I think it's his forty one season. He's he's old and he just hasn't slowed down whatsoever. Um, we talked about Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, Joey Gallo. Brad Hand was moved to the Blue Jays as well, um, like Jose Brios for Riley Adams, who's a catching prospect. Um, let's see, is there anything that we haven't necessarily talked about? I don't think that there is. I think we covered all of it. Um, oh, Eduardo Escobar was moved from the Indians to the Braves. The Braves also the Braves just bolstered their entire outfield. They went out and got Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, and um, Jorge Soler, which you know none of those guys are going to make huge impacts like Gallo. That's a lot of high strikeout, high power guys. When you're talking about um, Soler and Duvall, uh, Eddie Rosario is kind of looking to find that form that he had a few years back with the Minnesota Twins. And if he can do that, I think it's a great pickup for Atlanta, who's in need of outfielders after seeing Ronald Acuna go down with a torn ACL. Um, Atlanta, you know, we're talking about the Braves, also acquired Richard Rodriguez for uh, right-handed pitcher Bryce Wilson, right-handed pitcher Ricky DeVito. Bryce Wilson was, you know, not a top prospect, but a a really good pitching prospect with the Braves, which makes sense when you're getting a guy like Richard Rodriguez, who has a few years of control. I'm pretty sure he's um, under contract through 2023. Richard Rodriguez has been one of the best relievers in baseball all year um, with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's a really good pickup for the Braves. Um, what anything else go down? The Pittsburgh Pirates got Michael Chavis from the Red Sox, which I don't think is going to make much of an impact at all. Chavis was red hot when he came up with the Red Sox a couple of years ago, um, has since cooled down a ton and kind of just doesn't have a spot on that Red Sox team right now. So it makes sense for them to move him. Other than that, I think we really covered it all. It was the most exciting trade deadline that I have ever encountered in my life. I sat in my bed from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. on on uh, Friday, I believe it was, on the 30th, because they moved it up a day this year because they didn't want it to fall on a weekend. Um, it's usually the 31st. But just with MLB Network on and my phone in my hand, every time my phone buzzed, I have Twitter notifications on for every insider or whatever in in baseball. It was it was a fun few hours. And the night before with the Scherzer deal and... and um, you know, Trey Turner and then, you know, the Dodgers and the Padres and all that, that was fun. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year, just because everyone, especially this year when everybody's going out there and trying to win, I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for the fans. And I think overall it was one hell of a trade deadline. So we're going to be back at it, um, next week with, you know, last week was my NL predictions and I was going to do my AL predictions this week but I thought it made more sense to do the AL after the trade deadline um, because when I was re-listening to the NL one, it was a lot of, you know, we'll see what they do at the deadline. But now, you know, we can see what they do and we can really talk about what their rosters are going to look like for the rest of the year. So that'll be out next week. I really appreciate you guys tuning back in and listening. Um, I was also on another podcast, uh, Swing Hard with Denny Barrett. Denny is uh, was a coach of mine at Notre Dame High School. We talked a lot more about, you know, my um, – my personal life and what I'm doing at the University of Wisconsin and in my uh, pursuit of a journalism degree and also talked a little bit about baseball. I'm, I'm coaching with his, uh, the batters program, which he heads, um, which is, you know, younger kids uh, travel ball. We were talking about that. Um, if you want to check that out, Swing Hard with Denny Barrett, you can find it anywhere that you find your podcasts. Um, and also, if you're just into listening to, you know, guys, guy talk about baseball, coaching, um, recruiting. Denny's done it all. So if you're interested in that, 
go check that out. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. Peace.